This interview was brought to you by the Center for Leadership in Athletics at the University of Washington, an academic and research center within the College of Education. At the center, we believe in the power of sport to positively shape people and communities and are committed to developing effective leaders and leadership practices that maximize the positive educational impact of athletics. The center offers coach development opportunities for all levels of sport coaches, including a graduate degree program, the Excel Sports Coaching Certificate, and customized organizational trainings, all derived from the center's research, including the Ambitious Coaching Project. To learn more, visit uwcla.uw.edu. Hi, everyone. I'm Marcia Daniel with the University of Washington Center for Leadership in Athletics, and we're here today with Sam Moore, who is Director of Sports Science and Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach at North Carolina State University. Sam, I'm going to let you describe the unique focus of your work as an applied sports scientist. At NC State, I get the opportunity to create physiology-determined or hormonally-aware training programs for women's soccer and volleyball specifically. Um, I work really closely with athletic training and create integrated return to plays from injury based on individual hormonal landscapes. I collaborate with sports psych on topics pertaining to the realities of of being a collegiate female athlete and a, a woman in the 21st century. I work with the dietetic staff to help alleviate some symptoms that are unique to our women's population. I create interdepartmental education regarding the social and psychological um, as well as physiological considerations when working with women's athletics. And then most importantly, I would say, are the educational sessions that I work with female athletes um, on a team basis as well as individual meetings outside of my two sports. Well, we have a lot that we want to cover. So we've broken this interview up into three segments. And we're going we're gonna to kick off by examining that structure of applied sports science programs today. We'll compare what's most common with a structure that, as Sam will explain, is more equitable. And then in next week's conversation, we're going to dive into the physiology of female athletes. And we'll explore two specific examples of training being designed around female physiology. And then in our third segment, we're going to talk about athlete development and some of the training considerations that should be made for youth and adolescent female athletes, particularly as they're going through puberty. Let's kick off by zooming out and looking more at this big picture of sport, training, and applied sports science as it pertains to meeting the needs of female athletes. And Sam, you've said that ultimately you are working toward gender equity. Yeah, that's one of my favorite topics to speak on. And I think in order to do that, I have to acknowledge where I came from. Um, And so in fourth grade, I actually participated and won a few rounds of the Junior Optimist Oratorical Contest. And at the time, my family was stoked for me to win a speech contest because it was seen (laughs) as this end to a long journey that was my speech impediment. Um, But I actually, I spoke on women's athletics in, in fourth grade, right? And I spoke on why growing up with a mom who won two national championships and was an All-American was so important to my development and how much I looked up to my mom. Um, So early on, I knew that playing sports as a girl was as much a gift as it was an uphill battle. And that same year, I asked my parents if I could play on the all-boys tackle football team because I wanted to play with my older brother. And so even at nine, I knew that I was a woman in a man's world. And I was constantly relearning that this this thing of sport wasn't built for me. And even in women's sports, we feel it every day. 
it's one of the reasons that disordered eating and eating disorders are more prevalent among women who are athletes versus their non-athletic and non-woman peers. We feel the pressures of both feminine and masculine gender identities. And while the world tells us to be sweet and kind and small, our sport demands the opposite of us. So gender equity in sport, it means creating and fostering an environment and structure built for and by the woman athlete. It means acknowledging and valuing the realities of women in sport in every capacity. We know that this world was not built for us. So let's topple the existing and ill-fitting structure and let's build one up that is. Let's compare a typical sports science program structure and what it looks like today. And then let's look at a structure that's designed to best meet the needs of female athletes. I think to do that, we have to understand sports science. But sports science is a little dynamic, I would say. Um, it's such a young field in collegiate sports specifically. And my understanding of the origin of our modern applied sports science is the Australian Institute of Sport that was created in the 1980s. And while sports science can be defined and understood in a wide range of theories, I learned from my mentor at University of Utah, Dr. Ernie Reimer, that sports science is to research, inform, and innovate. So to do so in an equitable structure is multifaceted. Not only does it mean that we need to research, inform, and innovate topics pertaining to women's reality and their physiology, but the interventions and innovations themselves have to be centered on and around women. To do both of those things, I believe it's necessary to hire women into applied sports science roles as both directors and assistants, as well as informal research settings. So right now, in formal research, it's difficult to conduct research on women specifically. For so long, our menstrual cycles have been this mystery Pandora's box that just fluctuates data and makes the data unusable. And that can't be the case anymore. I think also with the sports science field in collegiate athletics, very often it's chalked up to technology. It's the man behind the catapult computer. And I say man because it is so heavily dominated that when I got this role at NC State, my directors couldn't think of another sports scientist at the collegiate level. So it's really important that we hire women into these question asking roles. Philosophy in gray area can be a bit tough for me, but I learned in the philosophy of scientific research course that it's effectively impossible to remove all inherent bias. And the hiring of women contributes heavily into how and why research questions are created and then pursued to the level of application. There are so many parts of being a woman in sport that aren't discussed in front of men for one reason or another. When I started presenting to my staff at Utah and here at NC State about menstrual cycles, the most common response is, I had no idea. The lack of women in practitioner and director roles in sport is not only holding our discipline back, but at times it's even creating a disproportionately unfavorable injury environment for female athletes. So in short, we need to hire women to ask these questions, and then we need to give them the resources to create interventions and find solutions to them. Mm-hmm. In addition to hiring, um, what else is it going to take for us to get there to this more equitable version that you describe? We have to think about that hiring capacity in every area of sport, right? Head coaching roles, athletic director positions, dean roles, director and assistant coaching opportunities. And with that, women-specific practitioners should become the norm. 
I hear so many strength and conditioning coaches that say they want to work in an FBS football program or a power five men's basketball program. And I think that the same should be true working with women's teams. If we aren't actively implementing programming and interventions for the women athlete, we're doing so based on that of the male athlete. And I really believe that there are no such things as general recommendations across the genders. With that, I think it's going to take a fair bit of humility from our male practitioner counterparts. We have to leave behind the antiquated outline of how to optimally train and treat our athletes when it comes to women, because it's all based on research and application with men. It, it simply just doesn't apply to us as women. Mm-hmm. So coaches that have been doing this for decades, specifically male, but not always, they may not understand the innovations created and applied, but they can, and they should be asking the questions to learn. So with that, with this idea of these these female-specific practitioners and these departments that are solving questions that pertain only to the woman athlete, we have to create a specific environment and a specific culture. We can't shame people into behavioral change. We know that. But we can create an environment of vulnerability and communication so that everyone's comfortable asking the necessary questions to learn. Because it's great if we have women in these roles, but as we can see in strength and conditioning at the NCAA level, it has been 85% men and 15% women for the last 15 years. So while those numbers are both growing, the percentage is the same. And if only female coaches, if only the women in these coaching roles know how to apply this or understand the validity of learning to apply this, then a limited number of athletes are going to get this type of training. Next week, we're going to discuss the physiology of female athletes, and we're going to look at a couple different examples to illustrate what you're talking about and what women's specific training looks like for both a power sport as well as an endurance capacity sport. And as we gear up for that physiology discussion, share with us your quote from a few weeks ago that I said, <laughs> you have to share this with our listeners because it's just going to turn everything up on upside down. I said that periodization is a scam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we're going to dive into that next week, and that will give everyone something to mull over until until we reunite. Thanks, Sam.